Just having business data isn't enough. But ZoomInfo leverages that data to unlock useful insights, like who to reach and how to reach them, so you can grow your business. Unlock insights at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market. Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORG Ochoa. He is your 75, two-time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, and the center of Sunday's Dallas Cowboys Atlanta Falcons game. The one, the only, the steel need legend, Tony Casillas. TC, what up? Uh, nothing was much uh, up at the, inside that building uh, on, on Sunday. Uh, I actually went to the game, and uh, my gosh, it was amazing. The first pandemic game that I've been to, my wife and I went to, and um, not many people showed up, and certainly the Cowboys didn't show up for the majority of the game, and uh, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah, it was it was weird and eerie at the same time, but that whole game was just was nuts. Well, so I want to start there, actually. Um, you know, uh, for by the way, full disclosure for everybody listening, Tony and I normally record on Tuesday mornings. Uh, but due to some scheduling stuff, we're recording this Monday late afternoon, evening ish, a little bit before Monday night football. Who do you think is going to win, Tony, Saints or Raiders? Oh, wow. I got the Saints. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, yeah, they're without one of their best receivers, but I, I think it's going to be a lot closer. I'm looking forward to seeing the new building out in Las Vegas, the Las Agreed. Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll take the Saints as well. So by the time people are listening to this, they'll know one way or the other. Uh, horrible day across the NFL from an injury perspective Sunday was. But I want to start, you were there. You normally go to home games. You get the uh, the Cowboy alum treatment, which you've talked about before, is a pretty nice life. Uh, whenever, you know, when you've got one of those Cowboy Super Bowl rings, it's it's like a golden ticket into, uh, into a whole different life. And uh, so, you know, you're, you're there a lot and you were kind of sharing some photos and stuff. What was it like compared to your normal experience? You, you mentioned, obviously, you know, it's we're all dealing with the pandemic and everything. Um, I, I Did you wear a mask, you know, in and out? I mean, you know, or was everybody wearing masks? What was the food situation? You know, what, what was everything like? All right, real quick. Uh, I actually got invited from uh, from a gentleman that owns a company and and, uh, you know, due to the pandemic, they're they're actually not doing the game day legends because of that. But uh, real quick, uh, you know, first of all, the observation was there was no one in the parking lot. Uh, I left uh, our I left my house. This is a just an example of the lack of people on the roads and lack of crowd, uh, which usually takes me an hour to get to the, the stadium from my house. Uh, that's if I leave probably. You know, if the game's at 12, if I leave at 1030, uh, I may get there at 1130. So it's a, it's probably a hard 45 minutes to an hour, RJ. We left my house at 11 a.m. and we got there probably about 1125. So that would be 25 minutes from my house, which takes you an hour. So there was no people, no no traffic. Uh, you know, you, you see all the you know parking, you know, the flow of traffic and everything. And then as we pulled up in the stadium, there was no one in the parking lot. So mm. it's just really eerie and really odd up to that point. So we go into the building. Uh, you got to wear a mask inside the building. Uh, luckily, you know, we were high roller and that was some of my buddies. We uh, we were up in a suite. So once you got up in the, the suite, uh, which Jerry is asking people to pay a ton of money for a suite still, uh, you can remove the mask. But I think the really eerie thing was looking out in the crowd. They had it uh, 
pretty much spaced out throughout the building um, where it wasn't just one section. I mean, they really, uh, I, I think symmetrically and the way they spread everything out was, uh, was pretty, pretty even as far as the noise. I, I was surprised the noise inside the building was louder because I know they were piping some, I think one spot, one side of the stadium there were the speakers, there were, there was sound coming out, but I don't think on the other side, it's just kind of weird, but just looking at the stadium, man, it was, you know, because 12 o'clock is weird. There's lack of energy, right, RJ? Because yeah. it's an early game. People don't get up as early and, you know, it just kind of moves slowly and methodically, right? Yeah. And I know as a player also, it's, you know, the early games. I used to love playing early games because you play the game. Hopefully yeah. you win. Yeah. Yeah, you can just chill out the rest of the day, you know, go have a cold beer and just relax. But that was probably the the, the weird thing. As far as the food, the food was – uh you know, they had food up in where I was, and uh, but I think everything was packaged. I think the biggest thing, too, is like when you went out into the lobby, like the, the concourse area, mm-hmm. where they had the stadium, uh, the party zone, and stand, no people out in, in the concession stands wow. whatsoever. I mean, it was just bare. Yeah. And to a point, it was, it was sad, but, but I, I really think it kind of, in that game, kind of carried over to the Cowboys because – I think one of the things we talked about, I remember this before the, the, the season started, is like, how will you play as a, the energy? How will you feed off right. that? And I just felt like that was a Cowboys starting the beginning of the game. They had no energy, uh, no enthusiasm whatsoever, and it just uh, perpetuated throughout the first half. Well, on the subject of food, I do want to say, you and I, we've talked before, uh, the mac and cheese at AT&T oh Stadium is, is among the best mac and cheese it may be in the world. I mean, like that sounds ridiculous, but it is incredible. I was tweeting with our friend Jane Slater, and she said that she did not have access to the mac and cheese because of her prepackaged meal. So we got to talk to somebody and make sure Jane gets the uh, the M and C. I'm glad that you had it. It is. It's hard to describe. It's like a truffle, but not quite a truffle. But at least you got to have a couple of bites. That's well, good it's it's really it's baked, and there's like bacon, and it's just you know you just got crispy cheese, and and really where I was at, I. Again, if you're you're spending big money for a suite, and I don't think Jerry's really cutting prices through this pandemic, I'm going to be yeah. real with you. Uh, then you get the, the macaroni and cheese and everything. One thing I did have, since we're all both of your you and I are foodies, first time I ever had a bean like a stuffed tamale stuffed with, with black beans. Have you ever had anything like that? I've definitely had tamales um, with with beans like refried beans before, no, like, no, no. like bean and cheese. Beans. And I tell you, they were really good. Were they were they like mush though, like refried, or they were yeah, whole? Yeah, they were mush, but they were black beans, you know, almost huh. like uh, friolis, you know, so like smashed in it. But I thought it was pretty good. But okay, uh, all right. The, the 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 adult beverages were were good also, but I, well, I needed to, a lot of those the first half to just witness of what we did that first half. I think sure. everyone that watched that game that's a Cowboy fans probably had a little overload. Uh, uh, even before probably before one o'clock. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's it's really this. I can't remember a game quite like this um, where the Cowboys snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. That the closest one for me, I don't know how well you remember this, Tony. In two thousand seven, the Cowboys went to Buffalo on a Monday Night Football game. Tony Romo threw five interceptions. Oh, yeah. They had yeah. no business winning that sure. game, and they did, and it was awesome, right. and it was fun. Mm-hmm. That's not the same because. You know, 
it, it wasn't like like Romo was the cause in that game for the hole the Cowboys were in. That, that you know, Dak Prescott didn't play that way. Dak Prescott was remarkable in this game. He had the fumble and you know whatever, but fumbleitis everywhere on. Um, what do you? What happened? I mean, I, it's it's hard to. I mean, that first quarter was the first quarter from hell. I mean, you know, it, we we blinked and it was twenty to nothing. Yeah, I I, I just couldn't. Uh, I, I didn't when I first. When, when everything t- kind of unpacked itself and after the game, you go through the box scores and, you know, I'm not really the one that looks at a lot of statistics, but I just wanted to see the flow of the game. And, you know, sometimes you, your perspective is a little different if you're not watching it on TV because you're watching a game and you're talking to people. But, I mean, it just – everything unraveled and the turnovers and just the discombobulated – team and, and the way they were executing offensively and, and defensively. I mean, Calvin Ridley, was the secondary was not covering. The defense was not putting pressure on Matt Ryan. I mean, the week prior to, to the week before that, you know, uh, you know, this secondary for the Atlanta Falcons, which they were playing Seattle and Russell Wilson, they got torched. Yeah. And yet, you know, I had to think about it because, you know, we all wanted to like, you know, should we give them a hall pass? And I started thinking, Cowboys aren't playing without their, you know, with with are without their starting right and left tackle. And I'm thinking, uh. but I just thought this that I think that they went in there and they thought that you know this is going to be something we're going to implement. But I, I know this as far as their game plan and Atlanta. What they did was able to take advantage of big plays, and I just think it was a lack of focus, the lack of execution. And they just needed a wake-up call. And I, I get it. I understand those games. I mean, they are – it's kind of a slippery slope sometime when you don't have the energy, you don't have the crowd because, you know, it's it's an early game. You're, you're getting up at 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. But that's no excuse. Sure. To go out there and play like that, that flat, in a game where you, you're you 0-1 and, and you lose that game to a team like Atlanta – I mean, Atlanta, you got to give them credit. They got – we knew they had the playmakers on, on offense, okay? Sure. We talked about Calvin Ridley and we talked about Julio Jones where Calvin Ridley just, you know, played exceptionally well and then Matt Ryan. But we knew that the Cowboys, they had to play complementary football and they didn't have any in energy whatsoever. Very, very flat, which I was really, really surprised that they came out that flat. I think the Cowboys, you mentioned it, no Tyron Smith, which, you know, we went into the weekend kind of wondering what was going to be the case. Uh, I mentioned, again, that you and I are recording on Monday afternoon, Tony, uh, about an hour in terms of real time after Mike McCarthy's Monday press conference. And he said on Monday, uh, he was asked about the young guys and the young offensive linemen. He talked about Brandon Knight, the second-year undrafted free agent tackle the yeah. Cowboys have that played for Tyron Smith. He said he really didn't get a lot of work last week. He said that he his only real sort of day of full activity in terms of practice last week was Saturday, which, you know, suggests that maybe they thought Tyron could go earlier in the week. And it wasn't until Saturday that you you're know, not doing anything on Saturday. You're well, just walking around. <laughs> uh, well, they normally are. But Mike McCarthy, Friday is now their chill day. You know, he's he's doing it differently. He's you know, he's mixing things yeah, up. I, I would say game plan wise, maybe. But as far as getting and obviously the practices have changed during the sure. season. But as it, far but, as. You're the right. physicality and really getting a look, you know. I don't think that you can do a lot on a Saturday. No, that's a good point. Game. Yeah. That, that's a good that's point. point. 
But to, to that point, so the Cowboys tried out Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele because Lyle Collins is still on injured mm-hmm. reserve. And the first couple of plays, they rolled out in 20 personnel, which was cool, I actually yeah. thought. Because, okay, I, in, a lot of people thought this might be the case with no Blake Jarwin. Well, who's going to be your starting tight end? Well, screw it. We don't need a tight end. Let's just roll 20 personnel. We'll keep Tony Pollard out there all the time. The yeah. problem is when you do that, you've got nobody to help block. And right. I, I think that's what really what kind of broke things down. And, and that might have been too might have been like um like you ever jump out of the hot tub and go straight into the pool and that like cold shock, you know, kind of hits oh, you. Yeah. That's kind of you gotta catch your breath. Right. That's kind of what it felt like to me. And they just took a long time, took several possessions to kind of get out of that self-induced hole. Um but I it's, I don't I don't know. I mean, Dak Prescott is the star from this game. I think we both agree. Oh uh, he became the first player in NFL history to throw for over 400 yards and rush for three touchdowns in a single game. Also, Tony, uh, speaking of Tony, he tied Tony Romo for the most 400-yard passing games in Cowboys history. He now has five of them. He is 4-1 and one in those games. Tony Romo was 0-5. Uh, for what it's worth, and for what it's worth, he did it in about half of the time. Dak Prescott plays in the passing era of the NFL, but so did Tony Romo. Uh, to be fair, um, but can we can we can we just go ahead and just and just give Dak Prescott credit that he's a good oh, quarterback? I mean, I, the it, stats that you just read off, and that's the thing about Dak Prescott. People do not just give the the man credit enough for for what he's done in his career with the Cowboys, and just. You know, some of the statistics in comparing to Tony Romo in the game he played yesterday, I mean, come on, man. Not only they got to pay the guy, but people got to start respecting the man. I mean, if anybody is, is you know, I hate to, like I hate to use the word hating. Hate, like it's, that sounds like so, you know, you're hating on me. It sounds ridiculous. But if anybody's still hating on Dak Prescott at this point, they're just it's just a, a troll job. You know, like you at this point, it should be universally acknowledged that he is not only better than Carson Wentz, if anybody's still having that debate, but one of the best young quarterbacks well, in the NFL. He well, really yeah, proved it. I yeah. also I think it. I mean, you I, I've, I've said this before here on this show. The way you talk about Troy Aikman is. I mean, is badass. Like, like everybody that roots for a football team wants that to be their team. You know what I mean? They they want to believe that all of the players would line up in front of and die for their quarterback because he's their leader, right? Like that's when you know every kind of average fan feels that way, and right. and Dak commands that respect, and which is really cool. I mean, like that's why, like if you don't enjoy rooting for this guy, I don't know what your problem is because he is the perfect package in every sense of the word. Um, I do, Tony. I talked about Tony Romo. Obviously, you're Tony Casillas. I want to throw uh, – I said hating is stupid, but I want to throw some – not maybe not shade, but Tony Pollard is a problem. And this was a problem for the Cowboys, a bit of an underrated problem. We were focusing, obviously, on the fumbles. Tony Pollard did have one of those. Tony mm-hmm. Pollard returned five kicks. Okay, Tony, he returned five of them. These are where he took them out to. The 13-yard line, the 17-yard line, the 17-yard line, the 26-yard line, the 24-yard line. Twice he took out kicks that were well inside the team's own end zone. I get trying to make a play, I, and, and because that was you know at times where you know the Cowboys were down and out and they were trying to get a spark. But at a certain point, dude, I mean you know you're starting at the 25 yard line. You, you're 
the odds are not good that you're going to get past the 25 yard line on your own. Just take the knee and, and, and quit wasting time. You're hurt. Th- th- these are minimal things. These are small increments. You know what I mean? But those things add up. Those are the little, little, little things that when you put them together at the end of a Sunday are the reason why you won or the reason why you lost. Well, I don't, I don't think Tony Pollard's decision making on whether he should, you know, let the you know let the the ball go into into the end zone or try to take it out. What I mean, I don't think that was reason, you know, for the debacle yesterday, where they the Cowboys could have easily lost that football game and probably should have, but yeah. they ended up coming back and with as you mentioned with the play of their damn great quarterback, were able to overcome a lot of adversity. Yeah, look, I, I understand Tony Pollard. He's he, he's got that, you know. He's a young dude, you know, young guys. You know how it is when you're young. You're you got a lot of testosterone in you. You know, you can do a lot of things that that you know that a lot of people can't, or you think you can. Now, I think he's been in the league a couple of years, and this is a new role for him. And I I, I get it. So he needs to govern himself back a little bit, and a little bit, and you know, they need to change you know, to change the the you know the field position and whatnot. But. Um, you know that's something that can get that could be worked out. Sure, sure. But I mean, if if, if we were just really would just want to start picking on things, we can talk about the time. You know, the, the fake punts. Oh uh, my gosh, let's talk know, about the, the fake punts. Uh, you know, a lot of things, the decision making, and that um, we could pick on a lot of things in that game. What the Cowboys, the defense, how bad they played, and how at this point, you know, second game going into third game of the season how overrated they are and why we can, you know, question their decision-making. Should they let Byron Jones go to Miami to get paid? I mean, there's a lot of things that we can pick on. You know, Tony Pollard to me is like one of the smaller things we can get picked on. Oh, I, I don't disagree. I mean, hey, we're, we're, we're warming up. Uh, by the way, Byron Jones with a groin injury. Hope he heals up. Uh, certainly, you know, not great to see. Again, just a horrible week as far as NFL injuries are concerned. Um, okay, I, so I, I went first because I before we, we keep going here, I agree with you. The Cowboys should have lost this game. And is my hope that Mike McCarthy and everybody gets in a room and instead of going, hell yeah, guys, we did it. The plan worked that they say, dude, we are so lucky that we did not lose this game. We should, you know, because I, I, I think you would agree. I mean, you, you lived it. Luck is a part of life in the NFL, right? I mean, like it's, you're you're going and, and, you know, they got lucky that the Falcons kind of blew this and that, that win still counts. If they win the NFC East by a game, it's, you know, it counts just the same as a game you win 50 to nothing, but you know, you you can't play this way. Uh, Do you want to go fake punts or defense first? Who do you want to, who do you want to go after first? You pick the poison. The, the Let's fake, go with defense. Okay, the, the defense. Well, I'll start off by saying this about the defense, Tony. This is the starting field position for every Cowboys drive, okay? Because, I mean, it's not hard to understand that a short field is easier to score off of. So from beginning to end, their own 23, their own 24, their own 13, their own 13, their own 32, their own 25, their own 25, their own 26, their own 17, their own 24, their own 25, their own 24. Their best starting field position of the entire game was their last possession, their own 46-yard line, which came off the onside kick, obviously. But outside of that, their best starting field position all day long was their own 32-yard line. Now, I agree with you, and we're about to 
peel this onion. The defense deserves a lot of flack. The defense does deserve credit for not completely falling apart early on when the Cowboys offense was giving the Atlanta offense all these short fields with their own fumbles and whatever, because they did hold the Falcons to two field goals there. I know they allowed two touchdowns, but at that point, 50% success rate is is not terrible. That's the only kudos I'll give them, though. Yeah, I, and look, I I think that that's, that's fair. Uh, I think field position, obviously, it's hard to you know protect points. And it puts you in a very vulnerable position as a defense. But, I mean, I'll start with, uh, you know, how well the, the Falcons were able to convert. Mm-hmm. Fourth down, third down conversion. Calvin Ridley, then playing off soft on, you know, the, the deep, on, the, on the wide receivers. Uh, Matt Ryan, traditionally, I mean, they did some play action. They threw some play action in there. But he is historically and is, is not part of his resume is to be a mobile quarterback. And I just think Dallas did not, you know, win any matchups. I mean, they got, what, one sack? Quentin Griffin got his, you know. Everson Griffin, yeah. Everson Griffin, I'm sorry, got his first sack of the game. Okay. That was Um, actually – that really made an impact. But you're right. I mean, you got to get more sacks out of the game. I'm just really – my point is, is that, you know, this is the things that could have easily got them beat. I mean, and I I think Dan Quinn, God bless him. I'm glad this is a pandemic year because – I think that's the only reason, the only thing is saving his job, the way he coached that game. But I'm going to give credit to the Cowboys. I mean, they're resilient. You know, they clawed and scratched. But I think defensively, there's some things that need to be fixed. I mean, there are some things that that when you, you're you you're down a couple of players, uh, guys that, you know, that, that step in and got to play better. But part of that, though, is having guys be stronger. I mean, other stronger parts of your game. Those are the, those are the positions and those are the categories that really got to elevate their game. And I just feel right now, and I know it's early, it's second game of the season. Um, I just haven't seen that, and especially in the secondary. I mean, that could be a problem. And you think that this week was bad? I mean, you you know the the weapons they played. Russell Wilson, man, that dude is probably playing. He's playing the best football in the National Football League as a quarterback. So. That's where I'm going to go with that. But I think, yeah, there was points and times where they didn't yield points. They, instead of giving up touchdowns, they gave up field goals. It ultimately helped them win this game. It did. Um, you know, I I hesitate to say this because people pile on Demarcus Lawrence all the time. People focus on sack numbers, and you know better than anybody, Tony, it's not all about sacks. If you're causing chaos That's really, I don't want to say that's all you have to do, but that goes a long way. You can do a lot of things as a defensive lineman, as an edge rusher, as a tackle that don't show up in the box score that get you paid big money in the NFL. I think that was partly, you know, or mostly true for DeMarcus Lawrence last season. People are upset because he got the big deal, didn't get, you know, big time sack numbers. They want to see 18, 19 sacks a year. And. This was not a great game for DeMarcus Lawrence. Now, I mentioned we're recording a little bit after Mike McCarthy's Monday press conference. He did say that DeMarcus Lawrence had a knee injury. He didn't really go into detail. He just said there would be a practice report on Wednesday, obviously, after practice as they get ready for the Seahawks. Where are you at on Tank? Because, you know, if if Dak Prescott folded, people would come for him. If Amari Cooper folded, people would come for him. If Zeke folded, people would come for him. DeMarcus Lawrence not playing up to big-time pass rusher money or, or didn't play up to that against the Atlanta Falcons. Again, the injury. What, what are your thoughts on DeMarcus Lawrence two well, weeks into the season? 
I think that, uh, you know, in the game of football, you can hide uh, somewhat. The quarterback can't because it's more of an individual. That's the, sure. the guy that the leader of your team. So, you know, you you can you can cast stones and, and and really put a lot of blame on the quarterback, which is usually the scapegoat. Win or loss, whether it's his fault or not, it always comes back to the quarterback for some reason. It's not fair at times, but that's the money. I mean, everyone thinks that they you know, associate with a guy making a ton of money that damn, he's got to be a superstar every play. And that's not realistic. But that's that's the way it goes. But, that, I mean, but yeah. that's that's what you, you know, that's the cape that you wear, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for Tank, you know, I watched him play, and he just doesn't look like the guy he did three years ago. Uh, I, whether it's too, him trying to put too much pressure on himself to make plays. I know sometimes as a defensive lineman, when you get into a funk, when you're, you know, it's like a batter when they're in a slump, you start trying too hard. And maybe if you do have a ailments, if you have an injury that's that's slowing you down, uh, then you're probably trying to, you know, make create things and make things happen. And anyone understands that if you're trying to make things happen, then it's going to be hard to come by. And I think that really across the board, um, I, you know, inside, I have not seen this big push. Uh, you know, the guys that they brought in, uh, uh, you know, Poe. Yeah, yeah. Everson yeah. Griffin has Everson it really – he had the and sack, it, but yeah. Yeah, and you really haven't seen them, you know, work together and create this tandem where it's going to take pressure on each player. And But I just think that, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, when you're paying, being paid, you know, $20 million a year, then that means that you need to get a sack every game or yeah. be a factor. Right. I mean, sometimes you don't have – you're not going to get a sack. And it's yeah. not going to show in the stats, but if you're putting pressure and creating bad throws, putting pressure on, uh, you know, the, you know, creating the takeaways, then, you know, you can do that. But that's the nature of the beast, RJ. It always been. And then, you know, DeMarcus Ware, I mean, excuse me, DeMarcus Lawrence, I wish he was playing, playing a little bit more like DeMarcus Ware right now. <laughs> I think that he needs to, he needs to get help uh, from everybody else, whoever's lined up against him. Uh, but, you know, someone needs to really, really create opportunities and again, he can't hurt. I mean, he can't he, he can't put all this pressure on himself and expect to make good, you know, big plays. I, sacks will come in bunches. That's you've heard that all the time. Right. Once you start getting them, you get off the snide, uh, then you, you it seems like they just come and come and flourish. Before Zoom info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, Zoom Info aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go-to-market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, I have a take. Um, I am not sure if you'll agree with it, but I, I think you might. The best Dallas Cowboys defensive lineman through two games this season 
and, and I'm talking average performance between the two games, Tristan Hill. Yeah, he, I, he's been very active. I, he's I mean, he's I, been the best through he, two. I mean, we're only two games in, but he's yeah. been the best. And and good for him because seriously, it's one of the things we talked about before the season started. You know, the 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 short training camp that you know when when Gerald McCoy went down, then someone has to step up. You know, I, Neville Gallimore, obviously, I, I guess he's not active or I, I don't know what's going on with him, but obviously he is not active and Tristan Hill has outplayed him. So good for Tristan Hill. But I agree. I mean, he's disruptive. He's getting upfield. He's creating, you know, creating havoc. And yeah. he showed up this week, you know, he showed up yesterday. I think we also should uh, every week after the Cowboys either win or lose, I write winners and losers at BTB. Uh, five winners, five losers. Obviously, it is what it is. And Dak Prescott's the biggest winner. And, and again, you know that, that is yep. what it is. However, I think the second biggest winner of the entire team, Dalton Schultz. Yeah. This dude was getting dragged last week. I mean, you know, and to be fair, had a really bad game and had the costly drop on second and six. Uh, to, to set the Cowboys up for the sequence that led to the fourth down that they went for and missed, et cetera. And a lot of people really doubted that he could come in and fill in for Blake Jarwin. And, and I think it's still too soon to say, oh, Cowboys solved their, their tight end one problems. He's going to be this guy, you know, week in and week out. But he was targeted 10 times and he caught nine of them. He caught Dak Prescott's only passing touchdown. I mean, to come in in, in your first NFL start and to be down 20 to nothing and to just grind and to help out you know having undrafted free agent tackles on the outside I mean that was a hell of a performance from a third year tight end that really had not really been known by a lot of Cowboys fans until this game yeah and then Blake Jar and you you know he gets injured and lost for the season and if you're asking you know yourself you know who's gonna who's gonna be the guy and Dalton Schultz I mean he showed up huge I mean some huge plays and I mean, again, I just I like the way Dak Prescott got the ball around to everyone and just found a lot of different receivers and found a guy that was open. And, you know, that's a testament to, to how he's he's evolved as a quarterback. But you're right. The guy was running great routes, was there when he was, you know, when he needed to be counted on. I mean, he was the guy that he, he took the ball to. And, and, and Dak Prescott trust, you know, getting the ball to him, which to me is it shows a lot of confidence in, in in the guy that's out there so tony i want to transition um to the subject that has divided twitter um i'm not sure how much of this you've seen yet uh tony's on twitter at tc casillas if you want to send him photos of, of your black bean tamales you know your mac and cheese whatever the case may be um but this is the subject that is is breaking families apart right now i think um the cowboys tony down by nine after the Dalton Schultz touchdown. So this score is 39 to 30. There are four minutes and 57 seconds left. They've just scored the touchdown. So again, down by nine in the game of American football, and they decide to go for two. Are you a fan of this, or should they have kicked the extra point? I have my takes, and anybody that follows me on Twitter has seen. I have I wrote about this subject as well on Monday afternoon, uh, so my stance is very clear. I don't know if you've seen my tweets yet, Tony, but I'll let, I'll let you have the floor first um, because there, there are – people think there are two schools of thought here, uh, but what would you do? If it, if it was Coach Casillas instead of Coach McCarthy, are you going for two or are you kicking the extra point? Well, I, I, you have to go through it. It just depends on – at that point, you either got to go for a two then or go for, for two later. I, I don't think at that point when they didn't convert, um, when the score was 
you know, 20 to at that point, 29, right? It was 39 30, to 30 after the touchdown. 39, 30. I'm sorry. Um, so I don't think at that point, I mean, in that football game, I mean, as, as a coach, you're trying to figure out, well, what do I need to do? Do I need to go for two points now, conversion, or, you know, try to, you know, kick the extra point and try, the, you know, the next, you know, if, if we get the ball back and take it down and score. But I don't think that they expected the Falcons to implode like sure, they did. Sure. And I, I mean, look, I'm they just being lucky. real. I, I, I'm thinking if I'm the coach, we're just, hey, look, it's now or never, right? right. You know, six and a half dozen the other, right? Right. And so, of course, if you don't convert, people are going to ask you, why the hell did the coach not, you know, why didn't he just right. kick the extra point? But the whole thought process is like, you know, what of our actuality? What's our actual? How we? What are our odds of winning this football game? I mean, this is what we have to do. We have to score a touchdown. All right, we got to take the ball, get the ball down, and take the ball down and score, which they did. I mean, and also, I you know, if we talk about our our five top players, I mean, how about C.D. Lamb? I mean, the dude totally. played exceptional. Got the ball down there, big play, scored a touchdown. But the the score, the screwy thing, and the quirky thing about the game was a damn onside kick. Right. All right. So to answer your question, I had no problem with him going for two then. I yeah. really did. I believe – so this this is a different example, but I'm, I'm going to use this example to make my point. Uh, and this is more personal preference than what happened on Sunday. I believe that if you're down by 10 points and there's, I don't know, a minute and a half, minute 45 seconds left, and you get within field goal range, I'm a believer that you kick the field goal, even if it's first down. I believe you kick – because at that point – you need three things. You need a touchdown, you need a field goal, and you need an onside kick recovery. Right. The, the only thing that you really can't control is time. That's that's the only thing. The clock is your enemy at that point in time. So my logic is instead of wasting time trying to get the touchdown on, on that first possession, kick the field goal, keep as much time as you can on the clock, try to get your onside kick, whatever. I acknowledge that that situation is more personal preference and is more up for debate. But what happened on Sunday isn't the exact same thing because this is indisputable. At that point, you're down by – you're scoring – you need two touchdowns, right? You're down 15 right. points. So you get one. You have to have a two-point conversion at one point. If you're going to tie, you exactly. have to. It's yeah. it's 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 yeah. not negotiable. And right. so you, you might as well identify whether you're going to have it or not with as much time as possible. That's that's where these two connect for me is that the main goal is the preservation of time. And because of that, because the Cowboys didn't get the two point conversion because of that ridiculous pitch to Zeke, they knew, OK, we're down by nine. We got five minutes. We got to hustle. And what happened on their next possession? They hustled and they scored a touchdown in just about a minute. And yeah. there's no there's no way, Tony, that if they are down by eight going into that drive, that they are hustling. If, if they're only down by eight, they view that as, oh, we're down by eight. That's one possession. We can we can hand the ball off to Zeke, whatever, and they'll waste more time. And what if they don't get the two-point conversion then? Then, even if they do get the onside kick, there's less time to go kick the field goal that they ultimately needed. I don't know how anybody's arguing this, but it is the subject that took over Twitter on Monday, and it would have been an even bigger deal had the Cowboys not won. Yeah, and, and look, I think that – I mean, there was a lot of things that got them to that point where they were down 10 points, you know, at that time, you know, and where they had to go back and essentially, you know, score 10 points to win the football game. And and I, I just think at that point, the the thing that I tweeted out, which I really believe in this and in my experience of playing, I mean, a game like that, when a team is trying to, to bury you and which the, Cow which the Cowboys could have been, you know, put six feet under. The Falcons couldn't do it. 
You know, they had their chance. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, that was a game that they should not have lost. No. It happens because the resiliency of the, the Cowboys to continue to come back. And, 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 and look, I think also the play calling, I thought that the, the second half was a lot better. I sit there and watch the game. and I'm thinking, why isn't Dak Prescott doing more play action? I mean, he cannot sit back there with this offensive line that's patched up. A guy that, you know, went through walkthrough practice on Saturday, he cannot sit back there and throw the football downfield. There's no way. So I thought the first series of the second half was was critical. They came out and took the ball down and scored. And you saw the energy. You saw the, you know, the adjustment that Atlanta had to make. All of a sudden, you know, Atlanta – they had to start thinking more. And I thought the first half that the Cowboys, along with their energy, along with everyone on that team, including the, all their coaching staff, got complacent in the energy, didn't have any energy. And I thought the first drive coming out there when they decided, look, we're going to we're gonna make this – we're going to go race car. We're going to get something going. I thought the energy and they fell off of it. And then once you start scoring, RJ, once you start get, having success, then you start believing. You're like – damn, we're down, but guess what? We're not out. And Atlanta could not finish them and to score 10 points in three minutes after how bad they played the whole game long really was irrelevant to that point. I agree with you. And I think the answer in a general sense, because, you know, we're not, we're talking about an entire half of football here. The answer for why the the Cowboys offense was more efficient, was more fast moving, whatever the case may be in the second half is because they were down. I mean, be, because they they could not establish the run like like they loved to do. They had to pass and they had to move, and the offense had to be quick. It had to be up tempo, and it had to flow through Dak Prescott and his quick up tempo, fast decision making. That is when the Cowboys' offense is at their best. If you go back and look at their game against the Rams, their best possession was the one at the end of the first half when they went two-minute offense. I understand it's not necessarily practical or feasible or believable or whatever you want to call it to go two-minute offense the entire game, but you can go fast and you can go up tempo. I'm not saying be Chip Kelly or anything, but you can play with some tempo, but the Cowboys refused to do that. And to your point, they dug their own hole. They they dug that 20 to nothing hole. They refused to get out of it. And it's, you know, do you know Dak Prescott's first pass of the game came on third down because the, the first two plays of the game, first down, second down, they ran it with Tony Pollard. And that's just not an efficient way to live. You're, you're asking him to be perfect, you know, in the first half just to have a chance. And then you end up behind and you're like, well, what the hell happened? You know, we, we blinked and we're down. It's because you're you're calling a weird game. You know, I didn't hear because I didn't watch the uh, I didn't watch the broadcast and I haven't heard. Why wasn't Zeke in on those first two plays? He was in. Uh, he just, you know, was not the, the recipient of the handoff. Okay, okay. I, 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 mean, I just thought early on he was not in. He was not in the game. But he was. And look, I mean, Tony Pollard. I mean, you know, to to his credit, I mean, he's a dynamic player. But I mean, hey, at that point, they didn't have anything going over, dude. I mean, they were just flat. I mean, they they didn't show up. Didn't wake out of bed. I mean, wake up and it, it was just uh it was just treacherous to watch. So um I do want to talk about the onside kick. Um, not necessarily from the perspective of the Falcons completely collapsing, but I thought this was fascinating, Tony. Um, on Monday morning, the Monday morning quarterback that Albert Breer writes, he wrote about how this particular kick, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, people equated it's like it to spinning the bottle. Like yeah, well, well people around. 
people called it like um like uh like curling you know and they like you yeah. know sh- 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 uh, i i equated it to like a three break putt you know like i mean because it, it was kind of windy and whatever but it was clearly done that way on purpose and albert breer wrote about how john fossil greg zerline and johnny hecker devised this strategy last year working together in los angeles and they actually i tweeted this clip out if you're listening and you want to see it go to my twitter um they actually tried this against the cowboys last season when the rams came to town in week 15 they weren't as into the game as the cowboys were it was late in the fourth quarter and they were down multiple possessions but they still went for it because i mean you got to try till the final whistle whatever uh but johnny hecker actually took this onside kick last year not Greg Zerline, and he kicked it to the opposite side, but it was that same effect, that slow rolling, waiting, 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 waiting. Uh, Incidentally, Jason Witten was the closest cowboy there, but it rolled out of bounds before it traveled 10 yards, so it didn't work out. Greg Zerline tried it, though. This was sneaky, man. I mean, I I, I don't know. This was, I mean – needle, you know, like, or threading a needle. I mean, this was, you You could not kick this any other way and have it work. It was well done. It was well executed. I, I mean, Greg Zerline deserves an incredible number of props for pulling this off. That that was very hard to do. Yeah, it definitely had some English on it. And it was, uh, it was, wasn't your conventional way to, for an onside kick. But, I mean, look, the, the Atlanta Falcons players are just watching it. I mean, do, I mean, if you all you have to do is just like get on the ball and 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 look to their credit. I mean, it was actually really John Fossil. I mean, and, and, the, and Greg Zerline, the way they executed was was fabulous. But I mean, the chain of events that happened in the last three Dude. minutes of that game was just oh my god. I mean, is this is this true? I mean, is this real? How this game is finished? And and look, I mean, that was. I mean, sometimes you know, there's ugly games. Okay. Yeah. And I don't care. I mean, there's a lot of people out there like, you know, you know, uh, you know, the Cowboys, you know, clearly should have lost a game. And yeah, I mean, we all said, yeah, they should have lost a game, but they didn't. And the fact that they're one and one and not sitting there at 0 and 2 going out to Seattle to play Seattle and, and playing a, a team like Seattle, which they could easily, you know, I, I don't they're going to have a tough time beating them. Um, I mean, could easily just be in a. And after three weeks in the season, it means zero and three. But yet, again, they found a way to win. And look, and I and I say this, and I know this because of I've been on teams. You need a game like this to bring you back and like, look, guys, we need to wake up and realize what we need to do. And I mean, they got issues. I mean, there's some the things that they got to tweak and they got to take care of. But you need a game like this. It was ugly. Yeah. I mean, it was fugly. I mean, it was one of these games that you do not. I don't, I don't want to fill in the blanks on that, but you get my point. It was distract, distract. It could have been, you know, just a, a travesty. I mean, it was horrible. Well, I'm a firm believer. Um, in my experience, you win two types of games in the NFL. There are two two ways you can win. You win games you're supposed to win, and you win games you're not supposed to win. And this was a game the Cowboys were not supposed to win. And I think the difference between somewhat good teams and really good teams is they find a way to win the games they're not supposed to win. I know that's really cliche and isn't supported by any sort of data, but I I think the best example to me of a game like this, I mentioned the Bills game, but in 2014, the Cowboys fell down 21 to nothing to the then St. Louis Rams. And they came back and they won that game. They went 12 and four. And that's what I'm talking about. Like that, that win is the difference between 11 and five and 12 and four, which goes a long way at the end of a season. And so I mean, this 
this win is is big in a lot of senses. And I think you're right, Tony. I, I think it was a bit of a of a humbling for a lot of things involved with the Cowboys. A man, we might not be this badass group. We might not be this this you know group of people that everybody picked to go to the Super Bowl. Whatever. We're vulnerable. We're we're human. We can lose. We should have lost. And and that I think is the the ideal situation is that the Cowboys staff looks at this game and says, we got really lucky and we have an opportunity to take all of the lessons that we would have learned from a loss, an embarrassing loss while not having to pay the consequences of actually losing a game because I'm with you. I haven't made any official picks yet. Uh, actually, I submitted my picks for SB Nation already, but I picked the Seahawks. I, I don't I don't see how the Cowboys beat Seattle. I truly don't. I hope I'm wrong, but the Seahawks are the best team in the NFC right now, and I say that, again, we haven't seen the Saints on Monday Night Football, but I, I don't know how they'll surpass Seattle. My power rankings will be out at BTB on Tuesday, by the way. Um, and, and so I think they'll lose that game. But I, I think that if they can manage to beat the teams they're supposed to, like the Washingtons, the Giants, the whatever, and they can steal some of these, I do think they can be a team that can do some damage in January. Well, and especially if you look at the NFC East right now, look at the teams and, I mean, the Eagles, I mean, they're rolling two. Uh, the Redskins are, what, one and one now? Um, and so – and then you you look at the Giants. I mean, Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's horrible. He's out for the season, so they're zero and two. So I mean, it's a it's it's a division right now, and that you all you have to do is is you know go eight and eight or nine and seven. You're yeah. going to be in the playoffs. I mean, it's not the end of the world. And, and as we mentioned, you mentioned off the top of the show, God, there's so much uh, you know pandemic of injuries in the National Football League right now. We're talking big time players are out for the season. Yeah, but not so fast on the Cowboys going out to Seattle and losing. I, oh, I, 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 you know, it, it depends on who they get back. Depends on if they get help on the if Tyron you know, plays. Yeah, Tyron, totally. If he comes back. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going to go into it. So it's hard for me to say, oh, the Cowboys are going to go out there and get beat. But I mean, R- Russell Wilson is an amazing quarterback. I mean, to me, right now, uh, that's the issue. I mean, they have issues on the offensive line, but they have a great quarterback. On the, on the Cowboys right now, Dak Prescott. I mean, he is playing. This was his signature game that he just he just played. I mean, to what he did to Will and put that that team on his back and win that game. I mean, tremendous pop props to him. But I, I will say this: the fact that they're and I experience it I, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, the home field advantage is is to me is non-existent it is non-existing unless you have to travel across the country i will give you that i mean it's a little different on the road trip but there's no 12th man out there screaming their ass off i mean and it's not that 12th man because they don't have the people inside that building so while i want to pick the cowboys in which i'm not you know this is the only show i do on this uh, on this platform um it's going to be hard to bet against Seattle beating them on the road. And I haven't seen the line what it's opened up, but I mean, they're going to have to fix a couple of things before they go out there and beat a good team like Seattle. It opened up on Sunday night, our friends at Bet Online four and a half. The Cowboys four are four and a half. half point underdogs, and that's fair. I mean, that's that's fair. And I know if you're listening, you're probably hyped up and jacked up about the Cowboys beating the Falcons. They, they Again, we've said it, Tony, they should be 0-2. They should. And if, if they were 0-2, there would be nobody picking them to beat the Seahawks. I mean, uh, yeah. and, and you are right. They have 
one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And when you've got that, you've always got a chance. That That is a true statement in the NFL. However, you also right now have a defense that's not really doing much, and you have a coaching staff that looks like it's still finding itself, and maybe that helps. I mean, again, you know, it should be said that nobody had any preseason or training camps or anything. So, I mean, this staff is still assimilating, and, you know, things are, are kind of normalizing, and maybe that helps. Um, and I tell you what, if we're sitting here next week and the Cowboys have just beaten the Seattle Seahawks, holy crap. That I mean, it will be like – you know, there was a lot of hype in week one, you know, when everybody was picking the Cowboys to win the yeah. NFC and everything. It will be that on steroids, especially if Dak outperforms Russell Wilson. Because then, right now, the conversation is Russell Wilson for MVP. And and rightfully so. I mean, you know, I think he's playing like the MVP. But if Dak beats the Seahawks and, and has another remarkable game, it will be a lot of fun. That's all I'll say. Well, in, in this schedule is a far cry from last year. I mean, after watching the Rams beat the, the Eagles, the Rams—they're good—they're a good football team and a good team. You know, in that in that division they play in, uh, and then you know you you play Atlanta. You can say whatever the, you you want about them. They're zero and two. I mean, they played uh, you know the, the Seattle, which is one of the probably the better teams, and uh, a lot of people are picking them to, to be in the NFC Championship. And then they, you know, they should have beat the Dallas. So it's a better measuring stick this year than it was last year when they played the first three teams of the season. That's right. not even close. That's a great point. Uh, well, Tony, it was a, a bit earlier than we normally do in the week, but it was at least a win that we got to talk about as opposed to a loss. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys are sort of, you know, they're, they're, they're like a newborn horse. You know what I mean? That's like, Finding, figuring out how to walk. You know what I mean? Like the first couple steps, a little weird. You know what I well, mean? You know what? It's better walking around on, on the, the Monday after a game being one-on-one that is 0-2. That's Trust true. Me. Okay, Tony. Well, um, have how about your... the US Open? Oh, well, you know what? Uh, Leighton Vanderesh not playing for the Cowboys, uh, obviously, right now. Throw Bryson in there. He's at the top of his game. I mean, you know, kudos. And uh, th- we, we do get into a bit of golf here. I'll say this on Bryson DeChambeau because I know he has a lot of haters, and I know he doesn't do himself any favors um, in terms of how he acts and things like that. I, <laughs> I will give that dude all the props in the world because he tried something to make his game better. And you know what? He proved it. And you know what? He won the freaking U.S. Open. And so right now, Bryson DeChambeau is getting the last laugh. And good for him. There's a lot of people that hate that because they hate anyone that just kind of reinvents the wheel, right? Yeah. And he goes out there and just plays smash ball, smash ball golf and just, you know, the guy, what, he hit two fairways yesterday. But one thing I liked about yesterday in the early game, I did not like the way the Cowboys started, but they ultimately won the game. But guess what? I was back home by 3 o'clock ah. on my couch after the U.S. Open and flipping back to the red zone. So life was good yesterday. Well, uh, hopefully life <laughs> remains good all throughout the rest of the week. Tony, will be back bro. next Tuesday. Everybody have yourselves a good week. This was the data like really love it but it's just having data enough yeah nope oh 
Because the smart businesses, the really smart ones, use ZoomInfo. It leverages data to unlock useful insights. Insights so you know who to reach and how to reach them, letting you grow your business. So ask yourself, is your data insightful? Now it is. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.